Heavenly Father, we just commit the service into your hands and we just say thank you for speaking to our hearts in Jesus' name. Morning, church. Morning, Dave. Are you good? Yes. Mr. Pastor, next, are you good? Yes. I suddenly you all went quiet. Why did you all go quiet? <laughs> yeah. The only answer is you don't know. You don't, we don't know what are in the hearts of people, do we? we? We genuinely don't know. And you could be sitting on a train, sitting on a bus, sitting at work, even sitting in church. And you have no clue. We have no clue what's going on in the lives of those people around us. You know, and we can have, we as Brits, for those who aren't Brits, bear with me for this illustration, but maybe it's true in your, from your nation as well. But as Brits, we often put a mask on. We put a face on. Some people might say that phrase. We put a face on and say, oh, yeah, I'm okay. How many times have you take, shaken hands with people and said, hi, how are you? And they've gone, I'm, very, I'm good, thank you very much. And you just don't believe them for some reason or other. Maybe their face doesn't tells a different story. But, you know, we, there's a kind of a requirement that says we need to say we're okay. And church, as a church who wants to believe in reality, I want to give us permission to say it's not okay sometimes. I might even use some words that might offend you this morning. I want you to say, if, if this week's really crappy, say this week's really rubbish. Don't, don't put a face on it. Do you know, because the enemy loves to isolate us and separate us and keep us apart from one another and keep us in a corner where we think we're on our own and no one else knows and no one else cares. And do you know what? I believe as church that's one of the things we need to continually resist. We need to continually resist that world of a bubble. And there's lots of bubbles around. I don't know whether you realise, but whenever you go on Facebook, you enter your own little bubble. Because every time you search, things come to you in particular ways. And actually, if you search for something on your, web, on, on your Facebook page, and somebody else searches for something on their Facebook page, they will get different adverts on those pages. Because you are living in your own bubble. That's just an example of how we can live in different bubbles. And actually... And, and, and again, I'm not saying Facebook's evil, by the way. Don't get that wrong. But, but there's a place where we can get stuck in our own little bubble. We can get convinced that no one else knows and no one else cares. Well, they might not know because we haven't told them. And I'm not saying that we have to... I, I, I know we live in a broadcast world where people share everything. Have you come across the word vlogger? Do you know what a vlogger is? It's a V with logger at the end. It's someone who lives their whole world on the internet. They broadcast snippets of their world. Here's me cleaning my teeth this morning. Here's me having my breakfast. And I just think, I don't care. I don't care what you had for breakfast. Please enjoy your breakfast. But I really don't care. But there are some people who want to live that world. But do you know what? They still don't tell everybody everything. They don't tell people that they're feeling sad. They don't tell people that actually they're quite scared today because they've got an exam or something like that. And so church, here's something right at the beginning. I hadn't planned to say any of this. This wasn't in my sermon notes at all, but I just felt a prompting of the spirit that I wanted to share this. 
But when somebody asks you how you are, when, you, when they put their arm on your shoulder and say, how are you today? And you know them well. If, it, if you had a really brilliant week, tell them you've had a brilliant week. Tell them a bit about it so that they can celebrate with you. If you've had a pretty rubbish week, tell them a bit about that as well. Say, actually, today's been, or this week's been pretty rubbish. My boss has been really horrible to me. My car broke down or whatever it was. But, you know, sometimes there are places when we feel we can't say because it's just too close to our chest. It's just too real. And if I even started telling you anything, you'd get gallons of rubbish or tears or something. You know, you know how sometimes if we feel like we're a balloon ready to pop. And if we just let that go a little bit, bleh, that's what's going to happen. Do you ever feel like that? Am I just making this up? No, some people do feel like, okay. And for those listening online, for those listening later, just, just hear my heart. You know, sometimes we kind of hold everything back just in case we burst. Just in case we burst. And, and I, I think there's a place where we can be honest here without going, bleh. And the honesty is to go, do you know what? I'm having a pretty rubbish week, but I can't talk about it right now. That's real honesty. You don't have to. You know, sometimes we just can't. Or maybe maybe there's something that we're dealing with at work. Maybe we're having to deal with a difficult employee. You know, and we can't talk to everybody about it. That, you know, that's not appropriate. But we can tell people, actually, I'm having a really tough time at work at the moment. So let me give you that third way. When we're having a good week and we can talk about it, tell people. When we're having a rubbish week and we've had a bad day, tell people. But when we're in that place where we're either going to burst or it's not appropriate, maybe we're standing in a group of people. And, you know, everybody else doesn't really know you, but one person who doesn't know you says, Dave, how are you today? And I'm thinking, I'd love to tell you, but I can't tell everybody else. You just say, do you know what? Pray for me. That's a signal to say things, things aren't quite right. Do you know, because here's the thing about fellowship and relationship and community, is that if you ask me and I go, actually, it's, it's pretty tough at the moment, please pray, or pretty tough at work at the moment, or or financial things are difficult, whatever it is. Do you know that person can go away and pray for you? But also they can come back in another time or ring you up or WhatsApp you or text you and just say, how's it going? That, that, that just breaks the whole sense of isolation. Do you know, if somebody shares you a glimpse into their world and says, actually, life's pretty tough at the moment, own that comment. Own that comment. Ring them up, check up with them, just... Are you still okay? Um, do I still need to pray? Because that's another thing. Sometimes we don't get the end of the story. So we hear that somebody's struggling at work or struggling with something. And we keep on praying for them day after day, week after week. And then maybe a month later, we say, you know, you were struggling a few weeks ago. How's it going? Oh, that got sorted the following day. And you're thinking, oh, well, why have I been praying for the last 28 days? So let me encourage you. Don't live in isolation. Be real with people. Share something. Give people a glimpse into your world. Because those kind of things really matter. That's how we build community. That's how people realize that, you know, God is here. And we as a people believe in prayer. Anybody prayed a prayer this week? Great. Only Jill. No, I'm sure other people have. We're just kind of doing that British thing of not putting our hands up. Do you know? So I, I really kind of want to encourage us in a place of fragility. Um, turn with me to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 
verses 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's a fantastic scripture. It kind of ties into, I guess, some bits I shared there. That, you know, that we can share a bit of our weakness. We don't always have to be on top of things. And I once remember being at a home group on a Thursday night in Chertsey. And we'd had a really good conversation. You know, we'd unpacked scriptures and we talked. And uh, it was really kind of impacting people's lives. And I turned to a lady, I turned to the group and said, we're having a fantastic group, let's pray. And somebody turned to me and said, Dave, oh, don't spoil it, we've had such a good conversation, had such a good discussion. And I said, no, no, let's pray. Because, you know, if we just heard stuff and it's gone in our ears and it makes us feel good, it won't stay. It'll go, as my mum used to say, in one ear and out the other. It won't stick, it won't stay. Do you know what? When it does stick and stay, it changes, it makes a difference. So Paul said this, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Church, hear this. Firstly, his strength is sufficient for you. There is no circumstance, no situation, nothing that is bigger than God. Nothing, no thing. There is no thing. And immediately, even as I'm sharing that, I'm sure in some people's minds, maybe some people who are listening, you're immediately going, yes, but what about this? I want to say that again. There is no thing, there is nothing that is bigger than God. And so when he says his grace is sufficient, hear that, his grace is sufficient. There is nothing that we can walk into that his grace is not bigger than. And so therefore... When we walk into circumstances and situations which are beyond ourselves, then we have to do it by faith. And that's a great place to be. It's a very good place to be. Do you know, if you can do something, I don't know how many people are tightrope walkers in the, walkers in the room. Anybody, a tight, anybody ever walked on the tightrope? You know, the kind of thing in the circus when you have a rope. Anybody ever had a go? No, 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 no. Anybody want to have a go this morning? No, I, I, I mean, here's, here's the thing. If I put a line down the middle of church on the floor right now, and you know what? They know they do um, uh, sobriety tests by the roadside. They ask you to walk down a straight line, don't they? If I put a line down the centre of church this morning, would anybody come up and walk along that line? Okay. Anybody would do that? Okay. And you'd do that for free. You'd have a go. Because you're sober. You know that. You haven't been drinking this morning. But let me, let me take that line and say, now it's a beam. And we're going to lift that beam up and we're going to put it between the Petronas Towers, which are thousands of feet up in the air. So now it's not a line on the floor, it's a beam. Anybody willing to come and walk across it now? No safety net. Anybody want to have a go? No? No, because we've never done it before. We're not sure we're going to make it. But here's, here's, let me ask you, would you do it for £10, £10? £10? A thousand pounds? A million pounds? Ten million pounds? Okay. 
Now, for those of you who've got a niece or a nephew or a son or a daughter or a grandson or granddaughter, I'm now hold, I'm standing on the other end of the beam and I'm holding your granddaughter by the scruff of their neck. Are you willing to walk now? <laughs> suddenly things change. Sud su suddenly things change. You're, you Suddenly you, you've moved from definitely no to, well, I think about it. Because that child matters to me. You know, and there are things that matter to us that are far more important than money. You know, that story I told you there was actually a story from a, 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 a teacher called Rob Parsons, who was teaching to a whole room of business people. And he got someone to volunteer to come and walk across this line on the floor. And he told exactly the same story that I just told you. And then he said, no, and yes, it's a... He was in a suit with a tie and everything else on. And he again got to a million, 10 million pounds. He said, no, I won't walk across. Then he said, he said I'm holding your son. And that, that, that businessman in that moment suddenly realized, you know, there's a price to be paid sometimes. But, you know, even those kind of things, if we have to do those kind of things, he can make us strong. He can enable us. He can help us. Now, the thing about walking across a tightrope thousands of feet up in the air as we've never done it before. That's a place of faith. If you've never done it before, now faith, it might be faith in somebody else. Or it might be faith in God. If God tells you to do something, do you know what my recommendation is? Do it. If you sense God wants you to do something, do it. He will provide all that you need. If it's his, if it's his agenda, it's his budget. If it's his budget, then... Let's not worry about the limitations and the constraints. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, I again want to focus from you to, you know, sometimes when people point at you, I can go, my grace is sufficient for you. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at the crowd. I'm looking at the camera. I'm looking at those, the, the people who are recording. And I'm talking to everybody. But instead, I want to go, my grace is sufficient for you. And I'm pointing specifically at you. So this is personal. This is something that Paul said, God wants grace is sufficient for you. And my grace is made perfect in weakness. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Now, what was Paul saying in that last phrase there? When I am weak, then I am strong. What he's saying is in those places of weakness, those moments when he does not have enough, he leans on God. And God needs people who will lean on him. God needs people who will walk his ways. God needs people who will trust him and will have a go. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Have a think about it. I don't mean, I don't mean necessarily tightrope walking. Yeah. When was the last time you said hello to a completely new person you've never met before? Was it yesterday? Was it last week? When was the last time you helped someone across the road? When was the last time you gave and it hurt a little? Maybe you gave some of your time or some of your money. I'm not talking about pennies now. But maybe you emptied your wallet. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. 
a beautiful scripture here. So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. This scripture talks about people standing in the gap. Are you willing to stand in the gap? That's what the word intercessor means. Someone who stands in the gap in prayer. You know, sometimes when people are, when we see people struggling and they don't want help, they say, no, I don't, I, I'm fine, thank you very much. The best thing we can do is pray. We can stand in the gap for them and with them. When we think about where we look for help in our place of weakness, we can look to God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. Just making sure you're awake, church. Let me read it correctly from the Bible. I'm just winding you up, but it's good to make sure that we're listening. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. doesn't mean that we need to throw common sense away, but it does mean we need to listen to God. We need to trust him with the things that are valuable to us. Now, that illustration I gave you about the Patronus Towers, let me ask you, what's the most valuable thing you own? You don't need to tell me, just think about it. What's the most valuable thing you own? Maybe your mind has jumped to a piece of jewellery. Or maybe a watch that your granddad gave you. Or maybe a book or a picture or something. Maybe, a, maybe something your son or daughter wrote for you many, many years ago and it's been folded up and maybe it's in your Bible. You know, in my Bible, I've got some things that are precious to me. Maybe they're not the most valuable things. But they're there to remind me that people care and people love me. What's the most valuable thing that you have? What's the most valuable thing that you could lose? We need not just to keep our, our eyes on valuable things, because they will rust. They will decay. Julia and I, when we were clearing out the shed that we had, it's no longer there. We found some things in the bottom of the shed that were only fit for the bin. You know, when we put them in the shed, they were fine. But after many, many years of misuse, mice, um, and other things, it was no use at all. Let me encourage you to use the things that you have. Use them to God's glory. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves, that is a gift from God. Now we don't earn our salvation. It's good to do good works, but we don't earn our salvation. Not for works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I don't know whether you ever run out. Anybody ever run on empty? Have you ever, in my car, 
I have a, a setting that I can bring up that tells me how many miles left in my tank. You have settings similar on some of your cars? And sometimes the light will come on saying the fuel is low. And my light comes on when there's 40, roughly 40 miles to go. And I was driving back from the Midlands not that long ago and the light came on. And I looked at it and I thought, 40 miles to go. Yes, I'm about 35 miles from home. I'll give it a go. I get further on and... Then, then because of the traffic on the M25, I'm stopping and starting, and the number starts going down. It starts going down quicker than expected. Now it's down to 25. Now it's down to 16. I'm thinking, okay, now it's down to nine, and I know I've got more than nine miles to go. Now, I don't know what you do there, but I thought, okay, by faith, I'm going to trust there's going to be enough fuel in the tank to do this. I see it go down, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. And I'm now, now, this, now, now, now my car is telling me I don't have enough fuel to go any further. And I know I've got at least three miles to go. I'm just the other side of the M4. And I look at it and I think, I don't have enough fuel, but I'm going to keep on going. And I kept on going. Now, when you're sitting there on zero, what do you do? Yeah, panic. Okay. We panic. Yeah, I, I tell you, I prayed. It wasn't that big a thing. If I'd have broken down, I'd have just rung up the AA and said, I've run out of fuel. But you know what? It was, I took a big breath as we drove and we kept on driving. Oh, I kept on driving. So Julia wasn't in the car. I, I kept on driving and it said zero, zero, zero. And it kept flashing at me. It wasn't just there saying zero. It was flashing at me, telling me, you don't have any fuel, Dave. Time to stop. And I got home, and I got off the motorway, and what was the first thing I did even before I got home? Went into a fuel station and filled up. Now, that's just an illustration, but you know, sometimes we can feel like that in our bodies. We can feel like that in our bodies when maybe we are so thirsty, we think, do you know what? I cannot do anything without a drink right now. I'm gasping for a, I wouldn't say a cup of tea because I don't drink tea. But, you know, you hear people sometimes say, I'm gasping for a cup of tea. If you've ever been in a place where you've been nil by mouth, you're not allowed to have a drink, you're not allowed to have anything to eat. You know, when you come to the end of that, your mouth is all there. It's, it's like glue. And you just want to have a drink. Not because you're necessarily thirsty inside, but just your mouth is just so parched and yucky. But you know, if you've ever been for two or three days without drinking, maybe even longer, your body craves liquid. If you've been ill or, or in hospital and not eaten for a quite a long time, your body craves food. Or if you're tired, maybe you can't sleep. Maybe you're in so maybe worry has overcome you. You know what? There's 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 a tactic the enemy loves to use. Worry. Worry is a great tactic because when does worry hit you the most? What time of day does worry really impact you? Right in the middle of the night, the darkest place of the night. Now, why does it do that? Number one, you're typically on your own. Number two, you typically feel isolated. You know, it's dark. 
you can't see anything. Number three, you have that lowest energy level at that particular point. You know, you're resting, your body's in resting mode. It's not in fighting or flight mode. And so actually, in those times, what a great place to bring worry to you. And here's some simple practical things. If this is something you, get struggle, you struggle with, number one, get up and walk around for a bit if worry is overcoming you. Number two, pray. Number three, turn the light on. Light drives back the darkness. And that's true scripturally as well. Now, what does scripture say about when we are so exhausted that we cannot do anything? Isaiah chapter 40 verses 30 and 31. Even the young people, that's you, some of you, even you will grow tired and weary. And young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Even young people will get tired. You know when you look at little children running around and think they are just a, a Duracell battery. They've just got so much energy. Even they will grow weary. But those who wait on the Lord might renew their strength. Shall renew their strength. Let me encourage you, church. If you're running out of energy, wait on the Lord. If you're running out of drive, if you're running out of passion, wait on the Lord. He is your petrol station in that sense. You can't, I, can't, I can't say I need to go and fill up on passion. I can't go and find a, a, a petrol station where I can put something in my brain and go passion fill up or weariness fill up. Or, I, you can't do that, but we can wait on the Lord and he can fill us up. And he doesn't have to fill us up in a moment, in any kind of logical sense, God can fill you up in a moment. There have been times in my life when I have been so tired. Julia will tell you when she first got to know me, I used to stay up all night working. The coffee pot would be on, and it would be, and she'd walk into the room, and when she'd come and say hi, and the room would smell of coffee, and I'd been working all night. And that was true. So caffeine helped a little. But you know, waiting on the Lord helps a lot better. Now, caffeine has an effect. If you keep on drinking caffeine, then you can't get to sleep again. So, whereas waiting on the Lord, he can fill you up with passion, he can fill you up with purpose, and you can sleep well as well, because he'll give you his peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply. God will supply. And so actually, we don't need to worry about shortfall sometimes. We just need to pray. It's God's plan. It's God's budget. And so I want to go back to the scripture that I started with, which is 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And I want to just ask us a question as I read this. Is this you? He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I want to be able to make most gladly to boast on your behalf of your weakness, that Christ may rest upon you. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And as a moment of devotion this morning, what I'd like to do is to play a short video this morning as a focus. And then we're going to pray.